You could be forgiven today if, after you read this title, Wake, Wake Up, Awakening. You've been here before. He likes movies. It's obvious what he's going to preach on. But no. I'm saying nothing today about the new Star Wars movie. (laughs) I haven't seen it yet. If you have, you can talk to me, but don't mention anything at all about the movie. No spoilers here today, please. Chances are, given what clergy schedules are like up until December 24th at 11.59 p.m., I'm probably not going to get a chance to see it until next week. I am looking forward to seeing the new Star Wars movie, however. And today I do want to talk about awakening and awakenings. Not a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, (laughs) but I want to talk about awakenings as I conclude this message series that Lee and I have been doing about rediscovering grace. I want to talk about the awakenings that are right now and right here. Like... Six weeks ago, I went for a haircut, got all done, went to pay, went to the counter, took out my credit card, handed my credit card to the receptionist. She took it, sitting next to her, noticed but didn't pay much attention. There was a young boy, maybe nine or ten, counting some of the days take, twenties, tens, fives, ones, counting them all up together commonplace thing, right? Obvious interaction. Until this boy shouted out to Larry, who's the guy who cuts my hair, hey Larry, guess what? My tumor got shrunk. And then I noticed. I looked at this boy. And I saw that there was a scar along the right side of his face running from just above his jawline all the way around his ear to just about his temple. And I saw when I looked more closely that he had uh, what seemed to be occluded vision coming out of his right eye. Hey, Larry, guess what? My tumor got shrunk. He said that, by the way, totally matter-of-factly and totally upbeat. And Larry, the guy who cuts my hair, said, that's incredible. Does that mean no more chemo for you? He said, no. I'm going to be on chemo for three more months. But that's all right. And then he went back to his pile of 20s and 10s and 5s and 1s. And three things occurred to me. As the ad says, yes, cancer really does suck. Second thing is that resilience, human resilience, is more lovely than the sucky things are sucky. And the third thing is that I got back to my car before I started to cry. Not because I am afraid of showing emotions or revealing my tears, but I didn't want to make this story about me. I didn't want to put the focus on myself. Last week, I told you a story 
from something I read on like an entrepreneurial blog about a driven young man, an ambitious young man. Talked about focusing on your goals, focusing on where you want to get to, compromising nothing to get to where you want to go. Some of it is all right. Some of it I thought was some of the worst dreck. That's a Yiddish word for crap that I ever read. Because he said he had no time to pause, no time to check in with those around him, no grace space. Truly connected with other people if it wasn't already on his script. What's that silly song from the 80s? Ain't nobody going to break my stride. Ain't nobody going to slow me down. Ooh, ooh. Please don't ever do that song, Ben. It wasn't a good song then. It's not a good song now. See, the thing is, that kid behind the counter broke my stride. Thank God. That kid behind the counter broke my stride. This is, for so many of us, how we wake up. When we allow our stride, especially if our stride is supremely confident and supremely sure that we're absolutely knowledgeable about where we're going, it's amazing how much we can miss. It's amazing how we don't wake up when we're so sure we know what the story is already. Now, the truth is, sometimes this happens out of arrogance, but I think more often in our lives it happens out of pain. It happens out of getting lost in our thoughts. It's one of the best things I know about this path of mindfulness that I walk and even more practice, so actually I don't really walk it, I did it before I walk it, is, is this liberation. We don't have to believe every thought we think. We can be open to more than just our thoughts. Because I've got to tell you one surprising thing. Well, actually, a lot of surprising things have happened uh, since I've been a minister 17 and a half years ago. But one of the things I really could not have predicted is that when this movie came out, remember this movie, Inception? Where the guy who did The Dark Knight, it's literally about getting lost in our dreams. And one of the things that uh, happens to people when they get lost in their dreams, they're able to build these amazing cities. They're able to reconstruct Paris according to their vision. And it doesn't obey the laws of physics. And yet sometimes that really happens to us. We get lost in our thoughts, lost in our dreams. And so one of the most surprising kind of shortcuts or, if you will, uh, pointers I have in my pastoral counseling now is say, I'll say to someone, remember that movie Inception? And they say, oh yeah, I'm doing that, aren't I? It is amazing how quickly we can get lost in our own small story, our own small thoughts, which can seem really, really large. These cities of the imaginary in which we can lock ourselves away and not wake up. We become, as the writer David Foster Wallace put it in that wonderful video, uh, graduation speech gave a number of years ago, This is Water. Well, if you see the video of it, and the video is wonderful, it's all set in the supermarket, but they leave out the most important sentence. He talks about the loneliness of not waking up, the loneliness of being lost in our thoughts. And he says it in these beautiful ways. He says we become lords of our own tiny skull-sized kingdom alone at the center of all creation. Lords of our own tiny skull-sized kingdom alone at the center of all creation. Fortunately, one of our beliefs here at Wellsprings is one of the things I set my heart upon Frank, is this belief, this core belief, 
of this progressive spiritual tradition that we're a part of, that the burning bush is blazing everywhere. But I feel like um, we should add a little codicil, a little caveat in there. Not if we're not looking. The burning bush is not blazing everywhere if we don't have eyes to see. I know in my life it is when my stride is broken that I simultaneously find two things. The world is bigger than my thoughts, my wants, even my own desires. And that opening to that larger reality is the surest way I know of finding true peace and deep rest in this wider awareness of what we're all about. One of the things I love about uh, the holidays this time of the year, both the ancient stories and the newer stories, you know, we can debate the literal meanings, right? You know, what's the story of the day-by-day fractional return of the sun to our lives, finding enough oil to light the lights, the arrival of a surprising, miraculous child, you know, even the Grinch, even Scrooge. You know, these stories are not meant to be taken literally. It misses the point. Their inner meaning is this. That our little stories that we can all find ourselves lost in can be interrupted by these great, big, wonderful stories which take on all kinds of forms of light, of love, of birth, asking us to pay attention. Remember again the one big story of life and death and love, the story of the heart that is all of ours. And when we remember this, we just don't, like, we're not searching for grace. We're not searching for connections. We're remembering the grace that we already are. We're remembering the connections that we already have. The stories of this time of the year are so often in their beauty, in their loveliness, and also in their challenge, are about our willingness to be surprised. About our willingness to turn around and notice and keep on noticing, and keep on noticing. And to honor that basic curiosity of the heart, that when we get too busy, or when we get too stressed, or when we're in too much pain, or when we've drunk the potion of our own self-importance, we can miss this curiosity of the heart. I find I need reminders. I imagine you do too. For me, the most signature way is spiritual practice, sitting and listening and doing nothing else. And the Zen teacher I know is sitting down, shutting up and paying attention. The wisest words I ever heard from my own heart. I know what's here. But there's other tools and other ways as well. And I'd like to share with you one of these right now. It's about that intention to see our lives and see others' lives with the eyes of the heart. And yes, it's an ad, but it's more than that. I'm not afraid of public tears. Maybe notice for yourself for just a moment how naturally the heart wants to go back. There's a saying that goes that empathy and compassion cannot be taught. They can, however, be caught. 
comes about that kind of thing. I know that I'm probably a lot like you that I need reminders. That it's easy to check out. It's easy to get real busy. But here's the thing. These stories, not just in the video, but these stories, our story, these are the unabridgable, unbreakable connections that are already here. And it's this stuff that is both the launching pad and the landing place for whatever real awakenings we will have as human beings. If we pay attention, we'll see them. If we pay attention, the heart awakens. And we'll rediscover the grace that we already are. About maybe four weeks after that haircut experience, I was driving home. I think it was a Tuesday night. It was the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And I was wondering why the traffic was so slow. Because I wanted to get home. And I was even able to leave at like 6 o'clock at night, which doesn't happen here very often. I was going to be home before my wife was there. But the traffic just two blocks from my house had slowed to a crawl. And then I saw it. An accident. Yellow police tape cordoning off the area. Lights, still some sirens from the emergency medical services and police. And as we passed one by one slowly on remember this day before the busiest travel day of the year. I saw amidst the debris that was spread around, this. Not that shoe, but one exactly like it. In the middle of all that chaos, one single As it turns out, I know a little bit more about the accident now. The person was hit by a car, and they're okay. But they left their shoe behind. Do you think they had any idea getting up that morning when they put their shoes on that that's where that shoe would end up? Do any of us really know when we get up in the morning and we put our shoes on where those shoes will really take us? I remember that story because it stayed with me and maybe because it happened right around the corner from my house. But the truth is that initial shock of that registering, that's kind of faded. That's just the way our lives are. And so the reminder for me is important. That's why I keep that shoe in mind. It's a talisman. A reminder. This life is so precious this life is so precarious, and the precariousness and the preciousness are directly related. It always was, always is, and always will be. And so just like that video asked us, how is it to walk in another's shoes, to see through another's eyes? Because here's the coolest part I know of that spiritual equation. 
is that the more we are able to do that, the more we end up treasuring our own lives and loving our own sight and loving walking in our own shoes. And then we can stride through this earth, not as heading towards a single point of destination, that everything else on the way is merely an impediment to our growth and development, but that it all becomes part of our story. And we can do what Thich Nhat Hanh says, which is this, that we can walk on this earth imagining that our feet are kissing the ground. And all I'd like to add to that beautiful phrase is that we can imagine the ground is also kissing our feet. We can rediscover this grace that is always here in which we can rest in which we can remember these words from Wendell Berry. He says, again, I resume the long lesson. How small a thing can be pleasing How little in this hard world it takes to satisfy the mind and bring the mind to its rest. How small a thing it takes. The people we pass. The people we see. The people in other shoes. People with other eyes, those with cancer, those who are doing well, those who are getting sick those who leave pieces of themselves behind can remind us this grace already connects us all. That's what that Wendell Berry thing is talking about. As he so often does, he's talking about grace, which is bigger than our wanting. It's even bigger. Here's what grace really is. It's bigger than our worthiness. Whether we think we're totally worthy or whether we think we're unworthy. The grace of these inseparable connections are already here. This is the grace of the heart that knows life and can be found by life and is not separate from life. This is my hope, my Christmas wish, my holiday blessing for all of us, myself included, not just you, me too. In this world so often challenging, so often painful, so often confounding, so much so that we may wish to escape into the cities in our mind that have allure even if they don't really exist. That we can wake up. Wake up today not to what is far, far away or a long time ago or at some point on the horizon, but to wake up to what is right here today and rest in this amazing awareness this grace that we already have. Amen. May you live in blessing. Please pray with me. God of the largest story possible. And the cool thing of this largest story is that includes us all And ultimately brings us back to this life in its most intricate, embroidered details. A smile. A tear. A hand that reaches out. A hand that reaches out for us. We may, at times, become overwhelmed. We 
this is sometimes the nature of life too. In those moments, may we trust that in the small ways that life is still there for us to touch and to be touched. That this one conduit, this one channel of love connects us to the source of love that animates it all. And so today, may we wake up to the small fires that speak of the burning bush that does not go out. 